Good evening. No need to respond. It's okay. Thank you. Special thank you to Dr. and Mrs. Jeffrey and Suzanne Ziggin for sponsoring this evening's shear. They are doing so in honor of the 25th yard site of Dr. Charles Ziggin. B'Tzalel ben Moshe HaLevi, his neshama should have an aliyah. Amen. We left off last time speaking about the koach ha-machshava, the power of the mind, and some of the amazing, the amazing things it can do. We mentioned the placebo effect that we saw from the Rambam. This week, what I'd like to do is transition into really the next step of this conversation. We said that the identity of a person, who I am and where I am, is very much based on the machshava, what I'm thinking about, what I spend time, mental capacity, energy. Rav Shlomo Volba has a line where he says, Hear her echad mishana es mahusa. It's possible that with one powerful machshava, that could change my entire essence. The, uh, the Pasuk, when it speaks about Shmuel Hanavi, the very beginning of Sefer Shmuel, it says, Ne'er lokim terem the lamp of God before it had burnt out, Ushmul shochev beheichel Hashem, asher sham aron elokim. Shmuel was laying down in the heichel Hashem, where the aron elokim was located. What's strange about that pasuk? Shmuel was sleeping in the sanctuary of God. So it's a wonderful place to visit, right? But it is not an area that one is allowed to sleep. One cannot even sit down there. So what in the world does it mean that Shmuel was sleeping? So the Gemara in Kedushin says, it has a different way of reading the Pasuk, it doesn't actually mean that Shmuel was located there. But when you read the words, that's what it sounds like. So the Malbim explains as follows. Malbim says, Sheshachav beheichel mamish. Shmuel was literally sleeping within the sanctuary of Hashem, Ratzelomar, Shechiva machshavis, meaning he was laying there, b'machshava in his mind. His mind was so focused and, and absorbed with that Kedusha, with the Heichel Hashem, he was, he was, so to speak, laying, he was, he was connected to the sanctuary of God to such a degree that the Pasuk refers to it as if he was actually there. And that's what the Malbim is saying. Mamish means literally. But it's not literal. Right nowadays when kids say literally, that means the exact opposite. But we assume when the Malbim says mamish, he means that's where he was. But how can you say that's where he was if he wasn't actually there? The answer seems to be 
because that's where he was. Your machshava creates who you are. And if my mind is, is constantly working within a realm of Ruchnius and Kedusha, that means I am an elevated, sanctified person. That's where I am. That's my world. That's my identity. Now we did mention at the end of last week's discussion that when it comes to pursuing meditation and other forms of machshava, we can't be aggressive with ourselves. We have to enter benachas. And the mushal we gave was the watermelon seed. If you press down too hard, it just slips away. And that's how machshava works. Revolba has a beautiful line where he describes this. Yediyachas nochutza. There's one, one piece of information that's necessary. Kol gedole machshava hiziru. All of those masters of the mind, they warned us. She'ein lachshov behis amtsutz v'koshi. Don't try, don't attempt to think b'koshi in a difficult, forceful way. Eladavka b'kalus ad kedei hargoshes ne'imus. But I should approach the world of machshava b'kalus in a very light, very easy way where there's a feeling of ne'imus, it's pleasant. Thinking is not at all similar to chopping wood, but it's more analogous to playing the harp. So meditation is much more than a science, it's more of an art. This will be our guiding principle as we explore the world of Mahshava. Now, what I always find interesting is that in the, in the broader secular world, meditation can be very helpful, it can be calming, but sometimes, if we're not careful, it could almost become like a selfish way of it's a luxury. It's something that I do for me. And that's okay also. We do things for ourselves. That's fine. But it doesn't always come along with elevating me in a spiritual way. Right? I like to eat healthy. I like to exercise. And I like to meditate. It doesn't have to be connected to Ruchnius. When we explore Jewish forms of meditation... The, the goal here is obviously much more than learning breathing techniques to relax. Those could be helpful as well. But here, the, the exploration is, how can I feel more alive and feel more spiritually connected with those around me and the creator of the universe through the Koach of Machshava? Now you could ask the question, why do we care so much about what's going on in our mind? Okay, it's true, that defines me, that's my mahus, that's my essence. But generally speaking, we seem to place a lot more of a focus and significance on what I do, what I accomplish, how I give, than what's going on within my, my brain. I think the, the paramount example of this is found in the beginning of the Sefer Kuzari. Kuzari we've quoted many times before, 
composed by Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi, going back to the 11th century, where he speaks about the king of the Khuzars, who had a reoccurring dream. What was the dream? He had this message, Ke'ilu malach medaber imo, almost like an angel was speaking with him, telling him the following, Kavanasacha retsuya etzel habore, your intention is beloved by God, by the Creator, but your actions, your behavior, they're not. So he was having this dream, and he was plagued. And therefore, he was more religiously absorbed in the whatever the Yavodah Zara was at that time of the Khuzar kingdom. But the more that he exerted himself in the religion, again, the Malach would come to him during the night. You have great intentions, you're trying hard to connect with God, and, and that's beautiful, but what you're doing is not okay. To pause here for a moment, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very deep insight into how we view any human being on the planet when they're trying to do something right, right? The way HaKadosh Baruch Hu views any person is not in a black and white. Are, are you doing the right thing or the wrong thing? It could very well be someone's making a mistake, they're making the wrong decision, but if your intentions are good, that doesn't therefore exempt you from what you're doing, but a Kaddish Baruch Hu looks at you and says, I appreciate the machshava. I appreciate that. You have to change your ways. But I appreciate the intent. But based on these reoccurring dreams, the king of the Khuzars, he decided to bring a philosopher to discuss the meaning of life. And the philosopher said, My advice to you is Radfeu Bakesh Yadias Amitas Hadavarim. Right? Like the classic Greek philosophers. Your job here on the planet is to discover truth, to come to the ultimate understanding of the world and the universe. That's what you need to be doing. Al Tochush al don't worry about what religion you're part of. What kind of formulation of, of religious law or what kind of behavior or what kind of speech or prayer. Don't waste your time with that. What should you do? You have a couple of options. You can make up some kind of ritual that feels right to you. Or you could take one of the other religions out there and use that as your, your guide for your behavior, but ultimately that doesn't make a difference. Basically, be spiritual without being too religious, because what you do doesn't really define who you are. It's the accomplishment of the intellect. That was the advice of the philosopher. The king of the Khuzars said back, thank you, I appreciate your hadracha, your guidance, 
but you're not helping me feel any better because the reoccurring message I'm getting every night is HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves my Ratzon, He loves my Machshava, what I'm trying to do, what's going on within my, my inner world, but clearly there are Maisim, there are actions, there are behaviors that are appropriate, and there are those that are not. And therefore he disregarded the philosopher and moved on to the Christian theologian and eventually to the Chaver, to the rabbi. So if it really comes down to what we do with our lives, not so much of what goes on within our inner world, why do we care so much about the machshava? What would you answer to that question? Answer is, because the way we think and the way we perceive ourselves and the world around us will have a direct and powerful impact on what we do with our lives. In the Dumbo analogy we spoke about last week, I'm able to fly because I, was, I, was, I had the courage to overcome that, that limitation of thinking it's only through the feather that I'm able to fly. I can fly by myself, that's the koach ha So these two ideas are not at all in the conflict. We believe that who you are and what you can be is all based on your inner world, how you perceive yourself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Torah and every mitzvah that I'm being involved with. But that determines how high I can fly. And that's what we care about the most. I want to share with you a couple pieces here from the Eish Kodesh. The Eish Kodesh... Um, in his Sefer, Hachshoras of Reichim, he speaks about what has been a long-term issue in Klal Yisrael, something that we obviously still struggle with until this day, and we speak about this often. He speaks about the lack of, of hargosha, of real feeling and emotional connection that we have within our Judaism and within our life in general. He says here at the top of page 7, In the olden days, we could wait till people were already teenagers, young men and young women, to try to ignite that fire within them, to have that, that feeling of Avodas Hashem, not just intellectual capacity, but, but the lave and the nefesh. However, he says, nowadays we can't wait that long. We have to start when the children are little. We have to start inspiring them from the beginning. We have to ignite that fire. Because if we're lacking soul, or our ongoing avoda is yovesh, it's dry, we have no chance of transcending the Yetzirah. Right? The, the intellectual world by itself will not suffice. Only when I can reveal my soul, so to speak, and be living with this real vitality of, of Ruchnius, then then I can overcome myself. I could transcend. So how do you do that? And this is the first step, or the first application of where the koach ha 
can play a massive role in our lives. Says the Eish Kodesh, Im yita Somebody might make the mistake and they would suggest that, listen, it's nice to have hislavos, to feel energized and enthused about your Vodas Hashem, but it's a rakaliyahi, it's a bonus. If you can, that's wonderful, and if you can't, okay. That's for the people who are on a different madrega than I am. Says the Ish Kodesh, they're making a terrible mistake. Gam ovdei Hashem poshet, even for those of us who view ourselves as simple servants of God, it's impossible to continue if the only connection we have is an intellectual one. Just knowing I'm not allowed to do this and I should be doing it like that, knowing halacha, going through the motions, if there's not that, that living force, that nefesh guluya, that revealed soul, we can't even be a regular old-fashioned Ebed Hashem. He says the comforting, comforting piece of information is that we don't have to create this. Right? If I'm feeling disconnected, my voda, my tefillah, my learning is very dry and stale, don't think you have to create something yesh me'ayin. The truth is, everything you need is already within you. It's part of the neshama. It's part of who you are. He writes poetically, he says, if we could only hear a little bit of that, that shira, right, that melody, that song that's happening, the saras nefesh, the storm of the soul within us, and how we're not singing alone, but rather we're united with all of Kalal Yisrael singing that shira together. And Kalal Yisrael here, Lamata, we're united with the billions and billions of Malachi Shares singing also that same shira Lashem. We might not hear it in its full power, but even just a whisper of that, being inclined to what's happening within my inner world, he said, that can transform you. So it's not about creating these emotions, it's more about breaking through those barriers and discovering these emotions. How do you do that? And that's what the Eish Kodesh tells us. How do you get to a point where my voda, my life, my relationships, it's not just intellectual, Machshava Chazaka. You need a Machshava Chazaka. Strong, powerful, meditative Machshava. That can break through all of those barriers to reveal that Hargasha, that, 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 that energy, that emotion that lies within us. There was a, uh, a small group of Martians and they wanted to discover once and for all, is there really life on planet Earth? Right, there are rumors, speculation. So they created this very high-tech spaceship, 
and they made the long journey from Mars to Earth. How long is that journey, parenthetically? How many miles? <laughs> so I think it officially depends on, right, the orbit of Mars and Earth around the Sun, at what point we're talking about. But we'll say on average it's about 140 million miles. Why not? So the journey takes a long time. And what's, what's strange is that when they're getting closer to planet Earth, something happens, and this spaceship gets like sucked into the atmosphere right to midtown Manhattan and actually goes underneath the street into one of the sewage pipes. The spaceship itself was only about the size of a, of a football. They were very small Martians. And they find themselves here on planet Earth, and they're looking around, and they're amazed. Wow! We finally made it. Right? We could take pictures, we'll get samples, we'll bring it back. And they're going through this sewage pipe, and they're looking around, observing everything. And what do they see? They're taking notes. Number one, there is clearly no light and no sun on this planet. Why is that the case? They're not sure. Why should it be that planet Earth doesn't have the impact of the light or the warmth of the sun? They don't know, but that's what we're observing. Number two, there are no human beings on planet Earth. Number three, everywhere we go, it smells really bad. And number four, the only living creatures we see are rats and cockroaches. They take this information back with them, and now they have a much better and clearer, vivid picture of what's actually going on on planet Earth. Explains with Shimshon Pincus. It's a very powerful muscle. He says, we might not be that different than those Martians. If you ask a child, what is life about? The kid's nine years old. What does it mean to be alive? So they'll mention a few random things. If you ask someone who's 45 or 95, what is life? If you ask someone who's been born and raised, the Frum Yid, what is Yiddishkeit? What is Tefillah? What is Liman HaTorah? What, what, can you describe that to me? What is the experience of standing before Hashem with a sitter open. What is the experience of saying a bracha? What does it mean to look at your child in the eyes as they're speaking to you? In all likelihood, explains of Shimshon Pincus, our perception of reality, our whole association and relationship with Judaism, very likely is I don't see a sun or feel the warmth. I don't see like live people actually walking around. I see rodents, I see cockroaches. It kind of smells bad. It could very well be that we think we're living in a reality, but we're really underground. The koach ha-machshava, it's not about lofty, esoteric, 
mantras that we say over and over again while sitting somewhere outside trying to disconnect or separate ourselves from reality. The, the place for the power of thought within Judaism is not getting away from or escaping from reality, but rather it's getting more into reality, but seeing it through a different pair of eyes. Basically, rising up from underneath the street and actually standing up and being outside. Now, the truth is being outside of Midtown Manhattan isn't much better than being underneath in the sewage, right? But there's a vast world out there. That's where the Koch of Machshava comes into play. And again, because our, our discussions here are so short, we're going to have to wait one more. Hashem, next time we'll go through some practical, hands-on forms of machshava, of meditation, but to understand the mahalach, the methodology, as to why we're doing this. I'm not doing this just because it feels good or just because it calms me down. That's also helpful, but that's not the ideal. That's not the, the matoro of Jewish meditation. I'm doing this to connect more with reality, not to escape from reality, not to ascend away from all the people that annoy me, but to be able to engage with them, not to run away from them, to be able to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu at every mitzvah that I'm doing, the siddur that I'm holding, the bracha that I'm saying, with an entirely different view. That's our goal in Ritz Hashem. Have a wonderful evening.